You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue one of the all-new Uncanny Comic Book Informer <laughs> yeah, podcast. Nice. <laughs> You've been planning that for a while. <laughs> yes, and I'm pretty sure I've actually used that joke once before, but that's okay. We're going with it again, because today we have a very special episode. We're joined by the man responsible for more unnecessary comic book renumberings than most of the modern comic industry combined, the writer for, of course, Skull Kickers and the upcoming Samurai Jack comic, Jim Zub. Welcome to the show. Oh, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> you kidding? It's great having you on here. I get to be on the first issue. Oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> we might have another one next week, though. So, oh, you know. right. <laughs> Not with you. I approve. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we're very happy to have uh, Zub with us this week. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Skull Kickers. But what we're most excited for is the big upcoming Samurai Jack comic from IDW. It comes out on the 23rd of this month, correct? That's correct. All right. I'm very, very excited about it as well, as you might imagine. But Jesus, we are obviously both of us massive fans. We hell, we talk about it all the time when we're referring to other comic books and whatnot, things like that. And so when we heard about this, this was just a, a moment of glee, literally, like a little twelve-year-old girl squee kind of thing. It awesome. was just that phenomenal. Well, the, producing people to to girlish giggles. Well, the thing too is that, and this is going to be the, for me, the the biggest pat on the ass here is going to be that it wasn't just that they announced Samurai Jack, but they announced you doing Samurai Jack. And that is saying a hell of a lot because it's like, I mean, this is an IP that means a lot to us. And if you screw it up, man, we are never going to let you forget it. But Oh, I know. Trust me. I, the, the, it's weird because it's like when you work on a property that you also love a lot, you want to just deliver the best. You want to do your best. You want to do something that's going to live up to the legacy of it. And uh, I'm, I'm feeling the heat in a good way. Like It's not a bad thing at all to, to know that there's people who are looking forward to it and that you know I get to, to work on something that's near and dear to so many people, myself included. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great feeling. The, the obvious question is, how did you manage to land such an incredible, incredible job? Um, I lucked out. Uh, so <laughs> I wasn't necessarily, like I wasn't the only writer that pitched on it. So this would have been late um, last year. I was talking to IDW about a different project and um, for a different property, another book that they, that they put out. And um, the timing was really bad. I had a whole bunch of other stuff on the go, Skull Kickers and other freelance work that I was doing. What's that? A whole bunch of number ones you were working on. Yeah, yeah. I was working on all (laughs) kinds of stuff. And so um, the original schedule they had for this other book didn't work for me. So I had to end up walking away from it and saying, you know, this wasn't going to work. I felt bad because I really wanted to, to work on it. But they, you know, we all got along really well, and they just said to me, you know, if you're when your schedule opens up, please let us know because we want to work with you. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll take you at your word. And in February, um, when my schedule did open up, I just dropped them a line and said, hey, I've got, you know, some extra time. If there's anything coming down the pipe you think I would be good for, let me know. And they said, actually, we're getting right down to the wick here, but we're we're taking pitches for Samurai Jack because we've got the property. We're going to be doing stuff with it. And I was blown away. I love 
the show. I'm a big, you know, my background's in animation, and uh, it's it's a show that I've liked ever since it came out. And so I just hunkered down and put together the best pitch I could, um, and that was the one that was picked by Cartoon Network. So it was, you know, it was good timing. It was fortuitous, and uh, I just. I don't know, pitch the hell out of it. That was that was sort of the plan, just to to really try and channel what made the series great without just repeating the exact same elements. I mean, I right. think that's what's when you work with a, a licensed property, you need to try and tap into, you know, any kind of work for hire, any sort of existing material. You need to figure out what is the core of it, but then not just go back to the well the exact same way, saying the exact same things that have already been said, you know? And I, and I think that's absolutely crucial uh when you're when you're trying to add to you know an ip that that people that people love as much as samurai jack so yeah nothing against like the big two granted we do no, every once no, in a while and, have and something that's in. the thing though when you get a good creative team that's working on a superhero book and they're able to tap into that that core material really strongly but then add something new or or give it a spin that people haven't seen before i think that's really exciting you know there it are is. books right now that i really love that are doing that so consistently it's just awesome yeah no i agree and it's something that i i think is better done with one of the other publishers like idw as opposed to slamming it with the big two like I, i'm i'm assuming it got Got a lot more attention from from IDW. What, what like what were they to work like to work with? They've been great so far. I mean, uh, my editor Carlos is fantastic, and you know Andy Suriano. He was actually a character designer on the show, and he's drawing uh, you know the story. And so we don't have to worry about being on model because he designed yeah. most of this stuff, which is amazing. And so um, they've been awesome. And I think especially with Andy on board, when you've got one of the original creative team from the show, it makes approvals a lot easier from Cartoon Network's end. You know, they know that the stuff's coming in the way that they wanted to. And so that's making things, I think, grow that much smoother. Um, we're having we're having a blast. It's been really, really smooth. I sent in my first script and I was super nervous. And I think IDW was a bit nervous because that was the they hadn't done stuff with Cartoon Network before. And uh, we sent in the script and just crossed our fingers because you never know. I've worked on client stuff before and some clients can be great and some can be really, really difficult. And they have their reasons, but it's still a difficult process. But they've been great so far. They've been uh, really on board what we want to do and they've approved like practically everything. Even some of the the weirder stuff they've been (laughs) been super on board for. It's been awesome. I've seen you mention before, uh, specifically on your Twitter, that you put a lot of work into writing Pathfinder because there's certain standards you have to live up to with the IP. Has Samurai Jack been any different in that regard? Um, in some ways, Samurai Jack's a little more open. You know, Samurai Jack is such a melting pot of, of genre and like mythic stuff and sci-fi. It, it's so many different genre types of, of things thrown together. You know, you've got this weird post-apocalyptic sci-fi kind of world you've got a lot of these comedy elements and cartoonish elements you've got the mythic stuff and you've got magic and sort of fantasy so it just feels like this big genre melting pot where i can kind of go wild uh and try stuff which has been very very liberating and exciting so i do a lot of research like when i when i do create our own stuff it's my own and i can do it the way i want and when i'm doing commercial you know work for hire stuff that's a you know, sort of a, 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 I mean, it's a contract, but it's also sort of an, an unwritten thing where I'm, it's not mine. I've got to be careful with it, extra careful because, you know, other people have built this thing and I want to make sure that I'm strengthening and, and building on what they've done, not 
destroying anything. And so, you know, uh, when I put together the original pitch, I rewatched some of my favorite episodes. And then once I got the gig, I actually made it, you know, my mission to rewatch every episode of the series. And I had a little notepad and I was taking down notes, not necessarily stuff that I wanted to do, but in some ways sort of saying, okay, what has been done? So I don't repeat the same sorts of exact same stories, but also how far can we go? How ridiculous does it get at some points? How epic can it get? You know, what can we do within this world? What has been done, you know? And, and I think doing the research is always really helpful. It's helpful for ideas. It's helpful for, you know, just making sure you've got the right voice for the characters. Um, with the Pathfinder book, You've got a massive, massive fantasy world, this award-winning fantasy world. And I want to do right by the fans. I want to do right by my, you know, the quality of the work and make sure it feels genuine. And so when we're in a particular part of the world, when I'm writing the Pathfinder comic, I I read up on the source books and I double check the material and I they've got a wiki and I look through that sort of stuff just to make sure that it, you know, I can head off as many problems ahead of time as possible, rather than sort of leaving that all up to the licensor, you know, and in that way, they really respect that I take time to do it right. right. And so our relationship is that much stronger for it. Cool. And one of the retailer, or not retailer, the uh, subscription variant has uh, artwork by Gendy Tartakovsky, who, of course, yeah. is the creator of Samurai Jack. Have you had uh, any communication with him as far as like the story is concerned? Uh, not direct. So when I pitched it, um, you know, that all went through Cartoon Network. And and the original pitch was supposed to be just for five issues, so it was supposed to be one story. It was going to be a mini series, and I'm happy to say, even before it comes out, uh, I've already been told that IDW is cool. Um, we're going to be taking it to at least ten issues, if not more. <laughs> that so, is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first storyline, which was sort of like my, if I only get a chance to tell one Samurai Jack story, I'm going to do this five issue kind of epic. Uh, we get to keep going from there, which is unbelievably exciting. And, you know, Andy is friends with Gendy uh, since the original production, and he's shown him the stuff, and they've, they've talked about the story stuff. So I know that Gendy's seen some of it, but I don't have direct contact with him. Um, that stuff's all going through Cartoon Network. His cover sketches and stuff come to me, and, like, he does multiple sketches, and they're like, you know, which one do you like best, which is kind of awkward because you're like, well, they're all amazing. Uh, <laughs> this one? But can we have them all anyways? You know, it's like he's just doing – I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's so, you know, even, like, working with Andy – phenomenal because uh, I told him flat out, I said, you know, one of the things that made the show great was almost every episode, they introduced new places and new characters and new challenges for Jack. And that's what you never knew what you were going to get. Every episode was something they were like new ground. And I said, you know, with the comic, I want to do that as well. Are you okay with designing all sorts of crazy crap? And he was like, oh, I prefer that. Like I, you know, I'm a, I'm a better artist now than I was 10 years ago. Let's go crazy. And so that's been really liberating as well, being able to just have the designer of Samurai Jack and go, hey, let's do this crazy thing. Hey, let's go here. Let's try this and have him be just as enthusiastic about coming up with stuff as uh, as I am. So. Yeah, no kidding. I was reading about this Threads of Time story art that you were just talking about. And actually, why don't you tell our listeners what it's about? So essentially, uh, what the idea that came to mind you know, so Aku has uh, thrown Jack into the future, taken him out of his proper time. And I thought, you know, where did that time magic sort of come from? And so the idea behind it is that there's this object called the Rope of Eons, and it's this magical artifact that contains 
chronal magic, so the the magic of time travel, and that's where Aku actually, you know, learned the knowledge to cast time spells. And then once he had the knowledge, he didn't want anyone else to get it. So he shreds the rope and destroys it. Well, he thinks he's destroyed it completely, but those threads that were from the rope are scattered all over the world, and they're called the threads of time. And uh, Jack finds out about them, and it makes it his mission to regather them together. And if he can rewind the rope, he can rewind his place in time. So, uh, so what happened is the the um, basically, yeah, that these strings each issue is going to be him sort of questing to find these different strings and pull them all together. And the more he is able to find, the more, you know, uh, sort of power the, the strings get together as they, the threads get as they pull together. And so, you know, working towards basically trying to get himself back to the past. I mean, that's the, the classic quest and sort of pushing this in this big direction and um, taking him to places he's never gone before and interacting with enemies he's never uh, fought before but all of them with this underlying, you know, quest that he might be able to actually pull it off this time, and that he's going to be able to, to to defeat Aku, you know, using the magic that Aku used against him. The thing that I would think is difficult is, from a writing perspective, is you're working on a story that really is never going to end. He because the moment he does go back in time, there you go. The series is over, and you can you can't touch it anymore. So well, that's you- not necessarily true. I mean, uh, what Jack's mission is is to return to the past and then defeat a coup. Because if he defeats a coup in the past, then the future where a coup mm-hmm. rules yeah. everything cannot happen. That being the the sort of the paradox shift, right? So not only does he have to return to the past, but he also has to then defeat a coup as well. So it's it's there's more to it than just he gets back to the past and everything's okay, you know, happily ever after. I think that there is a broader structural sort of thing there, and that's something that we can explore as well. But the the cool thing about Samurai Jack as a you know the classic sort of wandering hero quest. Is, is there's so many different elements to it. It is about, of course, defeating Aku at its most sort of primal, but then there's all sorts of other things as well about Jack. And, you know, even if he gets back to the past, he's not the same person he was before. He He's seen the future. He's interacted with it in this fascinating way. There's all sorts of cool stuff there. Oh, definitely. The, the only thing is, is that the moment that you take him back, if in fact this was something that you were considering, is you've taken a a very large story idea of this ancient samurai in a post-apocalyptic world and that part is gone and that that's a large part of what allows us to really get to know jack because of what he comes up against that is completely foreign to him kind of thing. oh absolutely and it's a lot of fun to explore that i love writing the character and it's funny because i love doing banter and dialogue but in many ways i mean jack doesn't say much yeah. and that's kind of fun too because he's the ultimate sort of straight man to a lot of the weird things happening around him where he is interacting with it in a very honest very simple way not knowing sort of the complexity of, of a lot of the futuristic stuff and i love that about the character i love the the kind of simple heroic aspect you know not everything has to be a gray area. I like that he is a, a sort of a hero's hero. Like he is who he is and he's very pure in his, you know, approach. And that makes him, you know, the kind of character that he is. And that not every single character has to be, you know, unbelievably corrupted or, or messed up in order to be worth 
reading about, you know? Yeah. Without going into any specifics of that, what kind of story ideas would you like to go into if the series gets picked up for even longer than the 10? Like what kind of things would um, you like to explore? We've already been chatting about that. So we want to, if, you know, as if we get to do an ongoing, the idea is that we're going to sort of switch it up. So not every, you know, the comic book format where you always do a complete story arc. We're doing that for the first arc, for the first five issues, because we want to tell a bigger story and really prove to people that we can, you know, move the ball forward, that we're going to do some really cool, important stuff with Shaq. But then moving forward, I want to do one issue, two issue, sort of, you know, done in one or two parters that, that sort of play into those classic elements of Samurai Jack. So some of them are funny and some of them are poignant and some of them are, are, are weird and wonderful. And that we really get that full flavor of the types of stories that Samurai Jack can be, because I think that um, you know, just limiting it to one sort of format or trying to jam it into the, the typical comic story arcs every time is not necessarily the best fit. What's well is telling short stories and longer stories, but just varying up the, the feel of it, that uh, someone can pick up any issue just like they can watch any episode and that they can enjoy it on its own merits. And I think that that's what's going to make the series really ring true to the format that works so well on television, yeah. you know, as a comic. And so I want to do, and we don't just want to, um, I want to bring back some characters that are really liked in the series, but I don't want it to be just like a greatest hits collection where all you're doing is remixing and remixing and remixing. So as much as possible, we want to have, you know, some new opponents and some new locations and new challenges rather than just being like, okay, we're trotting out everything that you've seen before again, you know, so uh, expanding on it, if you will. As you mentioned, there is a clear end to Jack's quest at some point in his future. If IDW decides to continue going on with the comic, is that something we could come to eventually? And would that be something you would be particularly interested in writing? Well, absolutely. I mean, it, the the key here is that that's really up to Cartoon Network and Gendy, right? So if, if they said to me, hey, you know, we're not doing the movie that we've talked about doing for a long time, um, you know, we want to tie this off. Would you like to be involved? I mean, I would be absolutely, I'd be honored. I'd be thrilled. Right. But my goal here is not to, again, I guess that, that thing, like I said before, not to destroy. Right. So I want to be able to add to the mythology. I want to be able to strengthen and broaden what's there, but it's not my job to tell the end to their story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can make it more complex. I can add new layers to it. I can uh, shake things up in really interesting ways, but it's not for me to sit there and just say, okay, I know better than Cartoon Network and Gendy Tartakovsky. Here's how it's got to go. Like, that's just <laughs> not, that's not cool <laughs> for anybody. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm not a prima donna. So it's like, um, you know, have I got really cool stuff that I would love to do? Yes. You know, is there big, crazy changes, not changes, but like, you know, kind of surprises that I want to introduce. Absolutely. You know, and, and I was actually talking to my editor today about it and we were sort of wish listing, you know, okay, so if we go past 10 issues, um, how many small stories before we do another big one? And then I said, this is what I would do for the next big story. And on the phone, he just went, Ooh, you know, like <laughs> excited, like, oh, 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 that would be really cool. That would really, you know, people would be really shocked. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we could do this and we could do that. And he's like, okay, you know, start putting down notes for that because in the back of our minds, I want to be able to, you know, pitch that to Cartoon Network if a chance, you know, but, but I think there's all sorts of cool stuff. We were at, um, 
San Diego Comic-Con and I was on the IDW panel and it was a kid's comic panel. So we were talking all about turtles and we were talking about My Little Pony and we were talking about um, Powerpuff Girls. And at the end of the panel, you know, they said, there are any more questions? And I just leaned into the mic and I said, when do we get to do the Powerpuff Samurai Jack crossover? Yes. <laughs> and the whole room went bonkers. The room went crazy for it. So I can't say that's happening because I have no control over that. But, like, that's the kind of fun stuff I think you could do because they both are two network properties or, you know. I mean, it would be uh, – did you see the announcement today about um, Conan and Red Sonja? They're doing a, a crossover. Yeah, so I saw that. Even though Dark Horse has the rights to Conan and Dynamite has the rights to Red Sonja, they worked out a deal. So it's like, man, if you can get that kind of deal going, wouldn't it be great to team up with, you know, Boom and do, like, Adventure Time Samurai Jack or <laughs> – Man, that would be the next level. That would be insane, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, that's fun kind of, you know, fan fiction-y, almost insane sort of crossover stuff. But my my focal point is just telling great stories with, the with you know, with Samurai Jack and doing right by the property. So basically our perfect scenario here is to be like the old Marvel Transformers comic, which was finished with issue 81 of a four-issue limited series. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I would do, and I told I told um, the guys at IDW. I said, you know, if you tell me it, we keep going, I just I will cling to this. Like I will just keep doing it. You can't really stop me. You know, like, <laughs> like I'm not saying you can't have guest writers come in or whatever, but like I will stake my turf. I will totally. <laughs> well, it's I, the perf- you know, if it's yeah. a perfect kind of series too. When you're looking at all of the 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 episodes that have been put out, which we've watched time and time again with the kids, and. It's one of those things, again, as a, when you're thinking of it as a writer and you're thinking like, ooh, I would like to do this. Ooh, I'd yeah. like to do this. There's so many possibilities. Well, and, and part and of that once is, you rewatch the series, you realize the, the depth and the breadth of it where it's like this episode is, is heavy sci-fi and this episode yeah. is a weird rave thing. And this one he gets turned into a chicken and this one's for laughs and this one's like poignant and this one's uh, like philosophical. Like it's so You can do anything. Broad. Yeah, you really can. And I think that's incredibly powerful. You know, the way I described it when I pitched the series, I said it's, you know, Akira Kurosawa meets Hanna-Barbera because it is. It's like it can be deep and it can be goofy and everything in between. And I like that about the property a lot. And and so there's a sequence where um, in issue five we do this sort of montage of all these things that Jack is doing. And in the middle of all of these, I have like serious, serious, serious. And then I just have this completely ludicrous one just plunged into the middle. And I think, and I was a little worried. I was like, I hope they dig that. And they actually said that we like that best. That's the best one because it's, it, it, you know, the contrast is what makes that so much fun. You know? And, and so, we got to see that yeah, in yeah, the show it, as well. It's, it's been a, it's been a great fit. Yeah. Say that again. I said that's something that we got to see in the show as well. So that's why, like, it's going to oh, fit yeah. so well. You were talking that one of your favorite episodes is Jack and the Scotsman. What, what is it about that one that draws you in? I think the, the two characters, you know, Jack is quiet and, and, you know, he's this thin. I mean, he's not that he's not muscular, but his fighting style is this very controlled, calm, uh, you know, rigid sort of approach and the Scotsman is everything that he's not and he's loud and he's brash and he's egotistical and he's, you know, bombastic and over the top and, and barbaric. And I, I just love the way the two of them interact. And then eventually over the court, they meet, I think four times in the, over the series, three or four times. 
and they're friends by the end of it. I really like that. But yeah. that first one when they're just interacting on the bridge and it's just this simple egotistical sort of back and forth. And you realize at some point that as quiet as Jack is and as heroic as he is, he's also, I mean, he's got an ego as well. He's not willing to give up either. He doesn't want to lose, you know? It, it, it's an honor-bound thing, but it's just in some ways as egotistical as the Scotsman's, you know, over-the-top screaming, I'm the best kind of stuff. So, You brought up Akira Kurosawa, and that's just one of many influences that we saw in the cartoon. You know, stuff like Lone Wolf and Cub, a lot of classic yep. anime. Are any of those influences shared by yourself, and are you trying to bring some of that into the comic? Yeah, I mean, you, if you watch, you know, in the show, they do all sorts of little riffs. So they actually have, like, Lone Wolf and Cub show up on one Gosh. episode. There's an episode that's got, um, you know, a mix of, of Lupin the Third and, and uh, Shingen, his partner. They mix them into one character in this caper episode. It, like, I love a lot of those same things. And so I don't, again, want to tread the exact same waters, but, it, but bringing little sort of riffs and jokes and, and nods to things in there is totally appropriate, you know? So in the first issue, there's a couple, uh, there's a, a riff on the X-Men that we have. Uh, Jack ends up in this gladiatorial arena. And, a, a, you know, when you see it, you'll realize, oh, okay, we're riffing on some sort of thematic stuff there. And I, and I think that that's really appropriate. You can sort of play into these different ideas that, that these iconic elements sort of bleed into the work and that in the, the world is so open and flexible that you can have those little nods, you know, and they do that throughout the whole series. They have little star Wars nods and they have little, you know, samurai nods and they have comic stuff and they have all that kind of stuff. And so I want to be able to, um, to bring that to bear as well and, and just be, and it's fun. It's great to be able to have those little jokes and things and, and even sort of inside jokes as well. So the seer, he's this character, um, you know, who's going to give Jack information about the, the rope of eons and the threads of time. His name is actually soul, the seer, but it's spelled like my friend, Charles soul who's currently on a tear at DC doing Swamp Thing and, and uh, like nine Superman. other comics. Yeah, Superman, <laughs> Wonder Woman, and Red Lanterns, all that. We're really good friends, and uh, I'm super proud of the work that he's doing. And so I named the character after him, and I, I sent him a, a PDF of the first issue, and I said, You're now part of official Samurai Jack continuity. And he was like, What? And so he was sort of freaking out. I mean, that sort of stuff's fun too. You can, you can have. I think there's a place for a Roger and Vince somewhere in that universe. <laughs> well, I know somewhere. As soon as I started doing Pathfinder, I had everyone say to me, "Oh, you got to have my character show up, my <laughs> gaming character." And I was like, "Ah, uh, I can't really do that." But you know, I'm not saying that I can with Samurai Jack. I was just sort of like, if there's already a character in place, and you can sort of go, "Okay, you know, this is this is whatever." But, I think you yeah, can you make get, this you work make if sure you really it wanted to. Right. Right. <laughs> But it's also, but it's also, you need to make sure that you're, um, you know, that it, you're not, you're not manhandling the story to try and jam stuff in there as well. You just sort of got to go. Okay, I have this character anyways. You know, this is important in the story. Okay, we'll just do, you know, this little joke or this little inside thing. Or, you know, I was coming up with gladiators and I said, oh, I think this will be really funny. So we'll have this kind of little superhero riff. You know, things like that. But again, it, that's that can't overwhelm the plot. You know, that shouldn't get in the way of people just enjoying it regardless. But it works right into what you're saying too, in terms of the, the IP being so open to that kind of thing that you can have fun with it while still staying 
you know, within its somewhat loose borders of what is acceptable. Well, that's the thing that, I mean, there was one episode where, uh, Jack ends up sort of piloting slash possessing this giant stone mecha and yes. fights these robots. And you're just like, what? Okay. That, Okay. Wow, man, we can do giant monster movie stuff. <laughs> yeah. We can do – in many ways, it's like, Jim, you've got to level up. You can't you know, make this small. You can go big. You can go crazy with it. You know, One of the things uh, I do in one of the issues is – so they show a coup. You know, a coup is everywhere and he rules the earth and you know, his stuff is everywhere and his marketing is everywhere. So one of the things we show in one of the issues is a bit of the factories that are, ma- that are churning out a coup – merchandise you know <laughs> and i just thought that was that just seemed very appropriate and they never cool showed it in the show. <laughs> but they show you like billboards with it, like a coup pop and like all this stuff and so i said well where's this crap coming from okay so we'll you know we sort of played on some of that as well issue number one of the new aku comic <laughs> oh. you know what's really funny is uh, i love writing dialogue and so when i want to write character dialogue i try and really you know marinate myself in it and make sure I know the cadence and the way that they speak. And, you know, Mako, the guy that did Aku's voice is so distinctive and he was so phenomenal at creating this, this voice, this deep, weird, kooky voice and writing his dialogue was wonderful and intimidating at the same time. Like, uh, you know, trying to get that cadence. And uh, when the, the lettering proof comes in and just being like, you know, the, the, the Aku laugh, which is that maniacal raging laugh. Like I want it to be the lettering to be as crazy and, and, you know, intense as possible to sort of bring that across that you could just imagine that voice pouring out of the page. One of the things I particularly love is your uh, retailer phantom variant for issue one. And it's always cool to see when, when you flex those art muscles, can we, are we going to be seeing more Zub art in the future or are you kind of just focusing on writing? Well, I'm doing more writing now than I've ever done. And, you know, I don't have time to draw a comic, but I love doing, you know, art when I can. Or um, if I'm trying to get across an idea to Edwin on Skull Kickers or, or, you know, to Andy on Samurai Jack, I don't mind doing a quick thumbnail sketch or just saying, here's, you know, what I'm thinking. Because I think that that visual component is so important. And when they, it was funny because I, I got to do that retail incentive cover sort of just because Andy was, his schedule was so tight and they said, Jim, do you, you know, we need another cover. Is there anyone you would recommend who could do this? Like, I don't want to be a dick, but like Jim Zubb should do that cover. And they just and said, Oh really? I said, yeah. And he's like, dude, I'd love to. And they said, okay, we'll send us a sketch. And I knew already what I wanted with it. Cause I wanted to do an old style samurai movie poster, real classic kind of iconic look to it. And, um, so I just poured it out that night send it to them the next day they're like oh you're really excited i'm like oh yeah i gotta do this you know so it's been uh it's been very that, that was just great i mean that's like the icing on the cake for me was being able to do that that cover so i hope i get a chance to do more of that sort of stuff down the road that would uh that would be the best it's uh it's a really great feeling and it's uh you know it's a nice little bonus it i think it confuses people when they meet me at a show um if edwin's not there i'll do drawing a lot more because you know there's it, if people see someone drawing, they're going to be more likely to come over to the table. And so they're like, oh, you know, so you're the artist of this comic. I said, no, I'm the writer. You draw pretty good for a writer. <laughs> well, like, well, my background's in art, but I write this book. Look, I'll draw you a picture. Do you want me to autograph this thing? Like, it's just, <laughs> just easier to explain it that way. You know what I mean? Because uh, I think it just confuses people. They're like, well, if you can draw, you're the artist. And if you write, you're the writer. 
you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun to be able to to pour out a drawing now and again. In terms of dream jobs, how high is this ranking up for you? Like, are there any other IPs that you'd like to tackle in the future? Like maybe an Avatar <laughs> miniseries or something? That'd be awesome, by the way. Like a what? An Avatar like miniseries. Avatar. Oh, man. I, I do love Avatar. Um, it, it's pretty high up there. It's unexpectedly. Like, it was not something that I had I had put together a list and said, I must do this because I didn't think it would ever be possible. You just sort of go, well, the show's never coming back. And so that's that. Um it's weird, right? Because I, I can sit there and I can think about uh, superheroes I really love doing or, you know, but now that you, you see stuff like the success of the Metal Pony comic or, or that the, a lot of the work for hire stuff, the licensed stuff is doing quite well. And now it seems much more viable to either bring old stuff back or to, you know, expand a, a brand with, with comics. And so now you can look at things that may not have been possible before. So it's weird because I I can sit there and I can think well you know I've had the the fortune to work on things like you know Street Fighter or uh, contributed to you know properties that I love like um, helped put together the Marvel versus Capcom you know art book with um, with Marvel and with Disney and that was really cool and all these sorts of things over the years that I've been had a, had a chance to be involved with and that's very cool but yeah now it feels it's weird it's like the Samurai Jack thing I it's awesome. It, it, it's such an unexpected um, thing to be able to contribute to. And now I sort of look and I go, Oh man, it'd be cool to do all sorts of other stuff. And some of it's really obscure. Like it's, it's properties that I love that probably don't have the kind of fan base that even Jack does. There's um, you know, so people said, Oh man, you love role playing games because of Pathfinder and stuff like that. You know, do you want to write more things in a, in a gaming sphere? And it's like, yeah, like I would love to write, Dungeons and Dragons, even though it's very similar to Pathfinder, but particularly there's this uh, one campaign setting in Dungeons and Dragons called Planescape, Mm -hmm. which is this weird sort of dimension bending crazy uh, uh, campaign setting. I love that. I love that setting to bits. I have all all the books sitting here behind me on my shelf, and it's like that I would go crazy for, or writing like, you know, Chaosium Call of Cthulhu stuff, or like you know, in Marvel and DC stuff as well, I had the chance to do a two-part Legends of the Dark Knight story, and I got to use classic Harley Quinn, and that was an absolute knockout thrill. Like, that was the best thing I, you know, one of the most uh, stories I'm most proud of, uh, of anything I've done. And probably the best feeling I had was the first, um, they came out in digital first, and I got a, on my birthday, I got a message from Paul Dini, the guy that created Harley Quinn. And he said that he really liked the story and he oh, thought geez. it was great. <laughs> and it was like, well, well, crap. My birthday, it is, I woke up to this on my birthday. I'm like, well, my birthday is already the best. That's I it. I have nothing to <laughs> Might as well go back to bed. <laughs> I'm good to go. Yep, I'm, I'm finished. Everything's great now. So, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. When, when people who are intimately involved with that stuff and they tell you you've done well or you know that you get it that's the best feeling it's really really cool you know yeah i would love to do you know like a ninja turtles story or it would be a lot of fun to do um uh, i I grew up on the marvel characters so uh i always loved the urban and the kind of supernatural characters so spider-man's obviously was huge for me and and dr strange was a big deal and i absolutely love that character uh like thor and and kind of Anything in a mythic sphere, when you combine like the D and D fantasy stuff with the superhero stuff, that was like huge wang for me. That was just the best. And so those characters, Ghost Rider and and 
anything in that um, supernatural sphere, I really, really like. You need to be the guy that brings Ambush Bug back and makes him cool. Oh, That's what you need to do. <laughs> Make it happen. Uh, okay. I don't know if you know this. The New 52 is not a very funny place. Uh, you don't they, they're say. not doing much of it. The funny it's true it's true i mean i just I, you know as a as a brand i think you're very yeah but you know what about me you could make ambush your, bug current and like badass <laughs> ripping people's arms off and stuff that fits right in with dc now make them you lose know, an eye possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> let's actually switch over to skull kickers just for a bit to close off here um how'd the number ones sure. go what was the general impression you got from fans uh, confusion and excitement. So it was great. Um, you know, most, most people, uh, were really pumped about it. They thought it was fun. They got, they, you know, even when they opened up an issue that said number one and then it said part three on the inside, they were like, what, <laughs> you know, they, they got it. They understood that we were having fun with it. And, uh, the response was good. Retailers, um, unbelievably didn't kill us. And, uh, everyone thought it was fun stuff. And, and we went to the well so badly, like we, we beat the thing so hard that, in many ways, it was like a trick you couldn't repeat. So it, we did this on purpose just to sort of, you know, drill home the fact that these reboots and these things are ridiculous. But it ended up having the effect of a reboot as well. So we ended up strengthening our sales. And even after it leveled off, after we finished, we're still up, which is unusual, truly terrible person uh, <laughs> that, we, that we benefited from the very thing that we were torching. Yeah, yeah, it was evil. Uh, but what can you say? You know, and the funny thing is, we heard from a lot of people who said that they hadn't read the book before, but that this thing was so audacious that they had to give it a try, and now they're fans, and that's kind of the point. And that is the reason why a lot of you know comic companies do the reboot stuff, why they do the new number ones, because it it gives people a base floor. You know, when I I was a kid, I don't know what it was. There was no fear to pick up a new issue of Spider Man. You know, my first issue of Spider-Man was like 200 and something, 230 something. And I didn't care. It was a Spider-Man story and I loved it and I got into it. And then I tried to buy old issues, but it's not like I was ever going to buy Amazing Spider-Man number one. And they didn't have a lot of trade paperbacks or anything. So I was never going to probably read those stories. So the only thing I would read is they would have, you know, when the Scorpion showed up for the 20th time, they would remind you how he was made into the Scorpion. You'd be like, cool. And that was that. And then when you get older, maybe you can buy those Marvel Masterworks, you know, classics or whatever. And then you would get to read it and you'd go, oh, yeah, that's that, that's how it happened, you know. But <laughs> nowadays, people really want the whole thing. They want completeness and they want to have a, a base floor to jump in on, which is interesting because you, you're trying to please both audiences. So you want to have a number one so people can start, but then you have this big tap continuity that people love and you're tapping into that so it's like you know you buy um uh, the new x-men number one that brian wood x-men number one and they're referencing tons of old storylines or all new x-men number one which is like weird x-men continuity porn where they're talking about old crazy stuff and i don't mean <laughs> porn but just like if you love x-men continuity it's just like lavishes crazy amounts of trivia in with all the stuff that's going on so really it's not for new readers, but it is like it's it's dancing this weird fine line where you're talking about all this crazy old crap. And as someone who you know, my brain was plugged into all the old X Men time travel stuff. You're just like, yeah, yeah, all this is great, more crazy weird junk. But 
to a brand new reader who just watched X-Men First Class, if they pick that book up, I don't know how they would, I don't know what they would think of it. I can't imagine. It would be really weird. It would be awesome. But, you know. Any way you slice it. That's what Wikipedia is for. Like I said, we don't. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. People have the resources to be able to look all this stuff up. But with Skull Kickers, you just read it in order and, you know, we have a master plan and it will end. And so we know where we're going with it. And even some of the most weird disconnected stuff is starting to plug back in now that we're on the latter half. And I think people are surprised that there is a plan when you look at how kooky the book can be. So, uh, you know, it's nice to, to surprise them. Yeah, I noticed a lot of that at the end of uh, your most recent arc, how the multiple realities seem to be more of a core to this story than at least I had initially thought. Then again, I didn't initially think multiple realities would have factored in at all. <laughs> but is this right. building to some sort of uh, crisis on infinite skull kickers scenario? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Not only is it Christ on Infinite Skull Kickers, we're going to take every other comic with us. We're just going to crush them all. We'll destroy the entire industry. Our final issue is the end of comics. I'm sorry. It's all got to we got to burn this we got to burn this sucker down. That's that's the problem. And of course, we're e- we're eagerly anticipating more Skull Kickers. About how much longer are we going to have to wait for the next arc? Uh, next arc's going to start early 2014, so Samurai Jack will have to fill the void in the meantime, and Pathfinder and um, you know other stuff that I've got in the hopper. But uh, yeah, we're working on the fifth story arc, which uh, is called A Dozen Cousins and a Crumpled Crown, and that will be coming out in early 2014. Uh, there will be many, many dwarves and lots of stupidity, and it's going to be great. Uh, and I'm a bias source, but it's true. So... And then the last story arc, the sixth story arc, will be coming end of 2014, early 2015. And then I guess over the the summer of 2015, we do like a farewell tour. If you don't buy it now, you're a fool kind of thing. (laughs) Awesome. So that's pretty much the end of uh, our questions for you here. Uh, We have our own little segment of what we're reading. (laughs) Yes, we have our own little what we're reading segment. (laughs) <laughs> where we chat about some of the stuff that uh, we're actually really digging. So uh, consider this your opportunity to get some shout-outs to some other comics that you're really liking. Um, I, As always, I love Lock and Key. I can't believe it's almost done. There's only one issue left. It's freaking me out. Love the series. think it's phenomenal. Um, I'm really liking... uh I'm trying to think of other... I read Chew. I read Atomic Robo. I love those series to bits. The Sixth Gun is great. Superior um, Spider-Man. I read, uh, what's that? Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> I do like Superior Spider-Man. Of course. I think it's great. I think it's a great series. I, you know, that thing we were saying earlier about playing with continuity, but then bringing something fresh to it. I think the book is, it's really surprising how well it works. And Dan Slott has been really, really consistent on the Spider-Man book. I, I like his writing a lot. I like what he, I like what he done. She-Hulk as well, but I like, um, superior spider-man a lot and i think it's a lot of fun and even when you know in the back of your mind okay this will not last forever you can really enjoy the ride you can oh, just yeah. dig in i like all new x-men i think bendis is doing some of the best oh, of his yeah. career i love um daredevil i think mark wade's just killing it i think he kills it so consistently that you don't even realize how amazing that book really is like you just take for granted oh it's another month of phenomenal daredevil oh well do to do and you just sort of go on because every issue is so freaking great that you don't you don't realize how good it is from month to month to month. 
Um, what else? What else? Charles is doing great work on Swamp Thing. I think it's a it's an awesome book. Um, what other stuff is regularly popping to the top of my pile? I read a lot of stuff. Invincible is really good. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, those are the ones sort of jumping out at me right now at this moment. You know, as stuff that I've been thoroughly enjoying as of late. A lot of our own personal favorites on that list. Yeah, you know, it's weird because I find that. Oh, um, you know what? The the um, I think Archer and Armstrong at Valiant is a hilarious, yes. fun yes. book, and I think that um, Fred Van Lente is a very funny man. And I read that book, and it's almost like I'm. I'm simultaneously thrilled and, and jealous. I'm like, oh, that's a really funny joke. I wish I'd thought of it. Oh, <laughs> oh you're so good. You know? <laughs> so I think he's doing phenomenal stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really cool stuff. The Valiant guys, actually, as a whole, the Valiant line is really consistent. I quite like um, uh, Bloodshot. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, Justin Jordan did some great stuff on Shadow Man. Yeah, as a whole, I think they're doing great stuff with their whole line. So just in the interest of time, I'm going to add in uh, that this was the perfect time for me to mention that I read the Powerpuff Girls comic. <laughs> I have it. I haven't read it yet. Nice. It, it was awesome. I, way back when, a hundred or so episodes ago, I was talking about the uh, Darkwing Duck comic that Boom was putting out and how it was so perfectly in line with the IP that I was reading the lines in the proper voices. And that's the same thing I got with Powerpuff Girls, only to the next level of the theme music was playing in my head as I was reading it. Like as they're going in to fight Mojo Jojo, I have the little theme song going in my head. So they, they are doing a great job with uh, that a license at IDW as well. Yeah. And, I got to tell you, Troy little, I got to meet him at uh, San Diego and he is the perfect choice for that book. And he killed it. He really, really is killing it. And it's basically like creator own book in the sense that he's doing the writing, the art. I think he's lettering it. It's just like he's doing the whole book himself, and it's awesome, and it's on, on target. Yeah, he is killing that thing. It is amazing. Roger, anything you'd like to add in? I finally got the, read the um, Last Injustice. It was mm-hmm. freaking awesome. <laughs> freaking awesome. Alfred taking him out. That was just, that made it for me right there. <laughs> it was like they had better come out with more of this because it is too good for them not to. Yeah, I think we're getting an annual uh, next month, and then it starts back up again early next year. Yeah, just amazing. Did you read the uh, the next uh, Savage Wolverine? I, I didn't check that one out yet, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wasn't as impressed with it. I think Jacques might be a little too out there for a lot of people's tastes. <laughs> no, it's not that. I mean, it's it's really nothing that extraordinary or that imaginative i don't know it was really nothing i wasn't digging it all that much especially coming off of the the last story arc um battle of the atom stuff i want to talk about it dude (laughs) a couple more weeks god we have to because this is getting to be too much here and then the only other stuff i've been reading is well i I read in prep for next week all of the (laughs) infinite crisis which i will have words about Next week, many words. I you will have here to read that. I, yeah, I in prep for fifty-two. I am trying to be a good boy here and get caught up, and I paid for it dearly because <laughs> piece of freaking crap stupidity. That's what. I, that's all I got to say. 
Nice, nice of you to bring the positivity. <laughs> it's it's a spoiled brat teenager. An entire story arc about that. I've raised four. I don't need to read this kind of crap. All right, and then a quick run through of today's new releases. Marvel is bringing us the actual final issue this time of Astonishing X. You know what, dude? Uh, you say that every time. Well, I, I was kind of sure last week, time. but I'm definitely sure this week or this month. <laughs> yes, issue 68 is the uh, last issue of, at least in its current form. We have Captain America number 12, Infinity number 4, Superior Spider-Man Team Up number 4, Thor God of Thunder 14, Ultimate X-Men 32, Uncanny X-Force 12, Wolverine 10, and Part 7 of Battle of the Atom <laughs> with X-Men number 6. DC, we have 24s for Batgirl, Batman, Green Lantern Corps, Nightwing, Suicide Squad, as well as Constantine number seven. We have a miniseries for Ever Evil Arkham War number one, as well as the brand new Superman Wonder Woman number one. And from the smaller publishers, we have uh, Pathfinder number nine from Dynamite, which I think we might be somewhat familiar with, and as well as Red Sonja number four. IDW brings us Ghostbusters number 8, Transformers Robots in Disguise number 21, and a big list from Image this week. We have Bushido number 2, Chew number 37, Ghosted number 4, Manhattan Projects number 15, Gosh. 3 number 1, a new comic from Kieran Gillen taking a different spin on the uh, Battle for Thermopylae, as well as Walking Dead number 115. And then from Valiant Comics, we have Archer and Armstrong number 14 and Eternal Warrior number 2. So, yes, we have uh, Pathfinder number nine coming out this week, as well as uh, Samurai Jack number one, obviously, on the 23rd. Anything else on the horizon, Zub? Uh, last week, I, I did uh, Shadow Man number 11, which is a Halloween done in one issue uh, for Valiant. That was a lot of fun. So they basically said, okay, we want to do um, Shadow Man in New Orleans on the night of Halloween. You know, what ideas have you got? Something fun, something crazy. And, uh, put together a story. Uh, they've got a special variant that is actually a Halloween mask of Shadow Man's face oh. you can get, which has the little perforated edges. You can <laughs> pop it out and wear it. <laughs> so I'll be signing those at New York Comic Con this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I am going to be staying on your case about the signed copies when Samurai Jack comes out because we are going to be giving some of those to our listeners. So for everybody listening, you know, going to want to keep listening. Once the issues are coming out, I'm going to be getting Zub to send me some signed copies and we are going to be giving those away on the show as well. That's All awesome. Right. Cool. <laughs> so once again, Zub, thanks for uh, joining us on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Where else online can our listeners find you? Um, best place to find me is just jimzub.com, J-I-M-Z-U-B.com. So, that's where I've got information on conventions I'm going to, new books I'm working on, interviews, reviews, and also tutorials on like how Which to are write awesome. comics, how to break into the industry, all kinds of good stuff. Dude, those are fantastic. I've read them all. They're all fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Cool. So, yeah, that's the best place to track me down. And on Twitter as well, at JimZub. All right, so that's going to wrap us up here for a very fun Samurai Jack episode. And you can, of course, find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Once again, thank you, Zub, and thank you, listeners. We'll see you next week. 